the times where I have been at my my lowest and where truly I haven't wanted to get out of bed and and the panic attacks just kind of roll in one after another like waves hitting a beach um it is a very very challenging and in some respects courageous decision to face that to look at it and to to start deciding that I don't want to feel that way and I don't want to give in to the adversity and the more I've practiced that approach the more familiar it becomes so I haven't been in that dark hole ever again. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Welcome, 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 everybody, to Way of the Artist podcast. We got another one coming at you today. And this one, I I think I've said this a number of times, but it always feels like this. This one seems like it's been a long time coming. Wouldn't you agree, Brandon? I would agree. You would agree. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> took you a while to respond to that, but yes, you would agree. Um, we've got a wonderful guest uh, on today. We've got Karen Pasqua. I didn't say that quite correctly, but I just have to say that name strangely every single time. But we've got Karen Pasqua on the show today. And she, Karen, is an accessibility and universal design specialist. We'll get into what that all means uh, with a deep love of beautiful and functional design that includes everyone. She describes herself as part engineer and part occupational therapist who focuses her creativity on solving what others perceive to be design barriers or problems. Karen, thank you very much for coming on. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. Excited to be here with you both. And I just want to say, like, in addition to all of those things that I've said, there's a number of other things in not just like because we have a personal relationship. We're friends. We've known each other for a long time. But you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've known you in a lot of different roles in in a professional sense, because when I first met you, you you were and i'm i'm probably going to butcher what what the you you actually were your your title but you you worked with communication correct like you were you were in you were working with with um with kids with learning disabilities and helping them learn how to speak you know and helping parents you okay. know who have young kids learning to speak and then you went from doing that to working with nonprofit organizations, you know, creating, creating events, you know, like massive, uh, events for huge organizations like, uh, like variety. Um, you were with, uh, you were with Canucks place as well for a long time. Canucks place. Canucks yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> throwing, events like fundraising giant events um bringing together 
like just big people, you know, like and now you're you're a design specialist. You're you're helping to create uh, uh, spaces and environments that are inclusive for for people in different in all kinds of different ways, not just physical spaces, but, you know, like spaces like this one, online spaces, all like you've worn so, so many different hats. And I think that that might be the perfect place to start with this conversation is your ability to adapt, to pivot and to figure it out, which is, I know is something that you are, you are very proud of as like a quality that you have is your ability to just figure it out. What do you have to say about everything this I is... just said? <laughs> I, I think you can you capture it very well. Um, in many respects, I see them all connected and every career path I've taken has kind of led me to the next step. And there, there is a vein that goes through everything that is very consistent, but I, at one point, you're absolutely right. My resume could have just been wiped clean, could have been a single page and said, I can figure it out. End of story. Um, and yeah, I do take my, a lot of pride in that feature. And, and in many re respects, part of why I changed roles as, as frequently as I did is once I got good at something and I couldn't find areas to improve it and um, add value to the situation, I got bored. And I needed to find a new avenue to challenge myself and to I ultimately ignite creativity. Because if I'm doing the same thing consistently over and over, then there's no opportunity to, to make something new and shiny and better and, and add a new lens to it. So with I think we have a, a saying amongst all of us at New Year's, you know, to the to the next step. Um, and in many respects, right. It's, I, I know that's been part of your, uh, vocabulary for longer than we've known each other. Um, but this, this idea is that kind of once I feel as though I've mastered something, I don't feel as though I have as much to contribute. And when that creativity wanes is where I feel the need to move on and make a, a bigger impact. And I think, all of those steps have been leading both to this, this use of creativity and this use of like, give me a problem that I can figure out as well as how can I make as large of an impact as on my community as possible. It sounds like your vision is growing with every new step that you take. Like it started off, like I'm going to go down this road and do this. And then you kind of get good at that or whatever. And you're like, okay, well now I've done that. So, maybe this, and it's kind of opening up. Is that, do you find that to be the case? To a degree, absolutely. Um, while at the same time, what you probably don't know is that the, the path has always been consistent. So the goal has always kind of been the same. Ultimately, I've always wanted to um, be in an area of universal design and be taken seriously as a professional in this, in this space. But I needed to learn so much. And the more opportunities I had, the more kind of pathways that I followed, the more I gained experience and, and a knowledge base that just kind of like adds to this magical ability to figure it out. 
Hmm. Not not to like toot my own horn or something, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like in many ways, it's like if you're to look at you know the different roles that you've taken on, you know, on paper, it would appear kind of disconnected, you know, like and to a certain degree, mm-hmm. there you have had to do a lot of different things and and change tack even though that there is like you know because often looking back on on our lives and and how we've arrived to certain places and the clarity that we we begin to get about like okay like it's like what am i doing here what am i doing here is this what i want to be doing oh no this isn't really what i want to be doing i really want to be moving into this into this but i mean that is such a scary thing to change course like it like honestly like for someone like yourself like you've you've had really you know like positions with with organizations and and that that people would be like what like you walked away from that like you stopped doing that are you crazy (laughs) but you've done it and i want to know a little bit about about that situation like how do you like how do you face that that change and 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 know that you're going to land on your feet somehow. Oh, that's an interesting question. That's, you know, it's interesting because I don't see myself as someone who deals well with change. In fact, so I grew up in Montreal. I moved here 13 years ago, 14, 13 years ago. And that was the biggest change of my life. And I had probably, it was so scary. Um, but I needed to do it because I felt like I didn't deal well with change. So I just kind of shoved myself off the deep end and figured it would be okay, had a backup plan. And I think that there's nothing I could do that's scarier than that. Taking just this giant leap of faith. And and in fact, I think the term leap of faith has been a core piece of my vocabulary for a long time. And um, to some degree it is, I guess, trusting myself, uh, breathing through the inevitable panic attack that usually comes with a decision of that magnitude. Um, But more so, I think every change I've made has actually addressed a deep unhappiness that I felt. And it's not so much, it it was trusting myself that I could be happier, I could be healthier, I could contribute more. And if it didn't work out, I've, again, I've always just figured it out. There's usually a backup plan in the back of my mind. Um, but then it's, it's kind of honestly come down to trust myself, trust the universe. And, and this, this too shall pass. If, if it's, if I'm anxious, if I'm fearful, if, you know, I know, I know what, at the t- at various points in my life, I knew the situation I was in and, and how I felt. And I always was looking for how I could feel better. Does that make sense? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it does. I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of the classic, like toward motivation away from motivation, you know, and I think um, Evan and I've been talking about this a lot recently that, you know, sometimes you need to have like a purpose or some reason or some desire to, to some carrot to chase, so to speak, that you want to go and you want to get. And sometimes you need 
you know, like something scary, like the fire under your ass or something like that, or something that's not making you happy to get yourself up and moving. It sounds like you kind of had a mix of both, a kind of a recognition that this isn't, I'm not happy here. This isn't working. I want this. I don't know necessarily if I can get it, but it's better than staying here. And that kind of seems to be enough to get you to like take a step. And then your worldview sounds like leap of faith. It just sounds like, okay, well, I'm going to take that step. <laughs> I don't know if there's any going to be any ground underneath me when I do it, but let's see what happens. And I think maybe you do that enough. You start to go like, okay, well, there's ground the last seven times. So why not the eighth? you know, and then it starts to look like confidence. And a little bit of fake it until you make it goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's, you're, you're hundred percent right. It's, um, and I find for myself often it's the timing just appears to be perfect. Um, I never leave an opportunity without another opportunity coming my way. Often I feel like I've manifested it. I still remember the first time I saw the variety show of hearts telethon sign. It was hanging at you know, one of the sky train stations. And I was like, I'm going to work there. I'm going to be part of that at some point. And a few years went by and I gained the skills and there I was helping produce the 50th anniversary telethon event. And, um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a mixture of trust and, like you said, any, anytime I met with challenge, I, I feel like I've experienced challenge before. I know how to flow through it. I have surpassed it before I can do it again. This is not going to be that different. And that maturity and growth, it kind of all sort of par parcels together uh, with an incredible support system um, and good friends who, who listen and, and provide support and guidance. Um, and I just, I just always know that it, I'm working towards something greater, I guess. I think you, what do you, you think's changed since the, since the start, like since the beginning of this journey of, you know, making changes. I mean, I'm sure it started when you were really young and <clears throat> maybe there was a key moment for you where, you know, the very first time you took a big leap. I mean, now you're getting, I don't know, a little more confident at it. You know, you, you kind of know the ropes a little bit more, right? Which I think is what everybody wants. They want to get to that place where they're like, it's not like you're not scared, but you have some data to back it up. What, what do you think's changed for you? Like, like, what do you think the you now knows that the you who started this journey didn't know? I, I just, that, hmm, you've got me really a, thinking. That's the sound of a good question. That's <laughs> the sound of a good question. Um, I think I've, I've learned to trust myself and I've seen the truth of that it's all going to be okay come to light more often than not. I mean, realistically, I, I was the kid that cried at sleepovers because I wanted to go home. Um, I was scared and, and. I, I think at some, at some point I, like I said, I shoved myself off a cliff and I, I moved across the country and nothing could be harder than that and trust the process. Um, confidence is certainly something I've gained and through many trials and tribulations. And I think also just learning to be a lot more present 
letting go of a lot of worries. Um, and a lot of the health practices I've put in place, I think have made me feel a lot more grounded, um, as well as perhaps more intuitive and just kind of understanding of even when I feel stressed and scared, it's part of a process and inevitably that process benefits me. Um, and faking confidence is often easy for me. <laughs> I, I can, I can pretend really well and, you know, Google's my best friend in terms of figuring things out. Sometimes it's, I don't know. I, you know, but it, it's, I, I say this with confidence while at the same time, you know, I sit here, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm about to be a mom in, in two months and face the biggest challenge and change of my life. On one hand, I feel incredibly prepared. And on the other hand, completely terrified. Um, and I've had those moments of like, I can't go back. I <laughs> literally cannot go back. There is no return on this. And I, it's kind of with everything. I just assume that, that, it I assume that the next step will be filled with joy and and if not then we'll find a way to make it so you have you've brought up a, a bunch of of different a bunch of different things that like I, I'm I'm finding in, incredibly useful um just in a very practical sense I don't know like there are certain things that are just sort of laid out in in your story and and some of the things that you're commenting on Brandon as well you know this this sort of image of you know the fire under your ass and like the carrot or so to speak like you know there's just there's this fire and there's this possibility you know which seems like it makes it look like a very simple decision you know which <laughs> which it isn't necessarily but I also wanted to like when you actually look at it in sort of a very simple way, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Do you want it? Like, you know, there's this fire here, you know, there's this pain that you're experiencing and this heat that you're feeling about this path that you're on. So you can stay there in the fire <laughs> or there's this possibility that's out there, but it's, there's no guarantees with that possibility at the same time. But it seems interesting to me that, you know, you have this, you know, you have this very pragmatic sense of, okay, well, what, like your sort of backup plan, you know, and, you know, in, in sort of the artist world, you hear a lot of people say, it's like, you can't have a backup plan. You can't. Well, honey, like, I have a backup plan for my backup plans. <laughs> yeah. But like, for me, I'm, I'm just like, I'm seeing, I'm kind of re-seeing this right now that it's like, you know, a backup plan isn't necessarily because you are planning to fail you know your your backup plan is really like saying well let's say i go after this and the worst thing happens you know like the worst outcome happens where this doesn't work out how would i respond like what would that actually mean what would that actually look like and and is that thing actually so terrible that i couldn't come back from it and it seems like, again, <laughs> I'll figure it out, right? <laughs> like there's this thing and, and it seems to have something that's been very true for you in your life. It certainly served me well. Um, and I guess I'm also just ever the pragmatic optimist. 
you know, I've, I've been fired. That was terrible. Um, but I learned a lot from it and it opened a whole host of new opportunities for me. And I think I really have just tried to look at my past and look at anything that I've been through or any challenge I've faced and find where the pattern of learning and growth has come from. So that has kind of created a map for me going forward that again, it's, as I said earlier, if, if there's, if I survived all of those past challenges, I can survive what comes before me. And even if it is hard and it's difficult and it's the right, wrong decision, I will gain something from it. And whether I know it in that moment in time or I only upon reflection, I, there's always momentum to go forward, mm. no matter no matter how challenging it is, no matter how stressful or scary or or whatnot. And in in some respects, it almost becomes empowering when you can face those fears and those challenges because. I know I've certainly looked in the mirror and just been like, yes, yes, I did that. That was so hard. And I did it, you know, and I, like, I kind of take so much pride in those moments. And, um, I know, I don't know if you remember Evan, there was, uh, an event that I worked on years ago. It was, uh, it's called boat for hope. We, we took 450 kids and their parents, uh, out for this like pirate adventure in False Creek on on these yachts, and it, we, it was like a treasure hunt. It was wonderful, and we put this carnival together afterwards. Um, and all 450 kids had various uh, special needs and disabilities. Biggest challenge of my life, and I have a photo of myself looking like looking like The Walking Dead, you know. <laughs> but I was I was so exhausted and so stressed, and I held up my binder. And that was like, that was my accomplishment. It was the night before. It was like, I'm ready. I got this. I've worked through all of this. And tomorrow I can have pizza, beer, and sleep for the next three days. And it'll be wonderful. But I purposely took a photo of myself in what quite honestly was the most stressed out, challenging, fatiguing moment of my life, knowing that I would always have this sort of image of, I, I, I accomplished that. And no matter, no matter how challenging it was, like, I don't know, I take this weird pride in, in that moment. The next day was amazing and it was so much fun. Um, but I had to go through that di level of difficulty and recognize that to be able to recognize what the accomplishment was that accompanied it. Hmm. There's definitely something very important about celebrating these things you know like not only just celebrating the accomplishment of of what you did but there's something that i find so wonderful about you know taking sort of an an in some ways an unromantic you know photo of yourself <laughs> with a binder like in the max you know in the max of your stress it's like you know it's it's a recognition of of something that you did, something that you went through, something that was hard. Like we should celebrate the things that we, that, that were hard, that we, that we made it through, that we saw through to the other side. And I think that's something as human beings is that like, I don't think we celebrate ourselves nearly enough or each other for that matter. But like, you, you know, ourselves, we have a, I, maybe I'll just speak for myself, but you know, I, I have a, I can very easily, you know, 
overlook or downplay my successes, you know, and and not really recognize, you know, how extraordinary something, you know, that I created or did actually was or what it took to, to do it and, and get there to even have the courage to pursue it in the first place. You know, there's all of these things that we can celebrate. And, and I just I just want to comment that, like, I I just appreciate that sort of act and ritual of sort of celebration that you you bring into your life. Thank you. That's I you know, I I think it comes from a place of need, in all honesty. I come from a background in a place of very low confidence, very low self-perception, very low self-esteem, high anxiety, um, never quite feeling good enough. Uh, I think that's a similar story that many people can kind of echo. Um, and develop these wonderful people in my life who who saw my accomplishments and, and my ability to contribute and were constantly there to to build me up. And at some point or another, I just realized like I wouldn't tolerate my friends speaking to me the way that I do sometimes. So why do I tolerate doing that to myself? And I love celebrating my friends' accomplishments, my husband's accomplishments. Like I'll throw him a dinner party. I'll like, we'll go, well, we have, we used to have a tradition of every month we would buy a bottle of sparkling wine, champagne, whatever. And we would find something that month to celebrate. And as we've continued that ritual, we found more and more things to celebrate, whether they were small or, or large. And I think that just created, like you said, this ritual of let's recognize what we're doing and what we're contributing and what we're overcoming and whether we do that for each other as friends. And I think, I, I don't, I guess I didn't really realize until you mentioned it that I, that I do do that for myself. I think that I always saw it more as a anxiety mitigation strategy than, <laughs> than anything else really. Um, that kind of, that, that brings me great joy. Thank you for, for pointing that out. That's, that's really a lovely uh, compliment, I guess. It's uh, I think recognition of how far I've come in my own self-perception. Well, I think it points to just actually, you know, how important it is for all of us. I think because I, I, I agree, because otherwise, if like I to celebrate is is maybe is maybe one of the most incredible things that we do as human beings, especially collectively together. You know, like I imagine I imagine the celebration that we're going to have when we're past this covid thing. I was, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking about that just yesterday, like really picturing like, wow, when we can, when we're finally given the go ahead to like, you can go and be in public spaces together without masks and you, and you don't have to socially distance from each other. Like, we're all just going to look at each other like, holy shit. Like, what did we just go through? And now we're back to the, like, like we can, we can be with each other again. Like, I, I feel like we're, it's just going to be such an incredible celebration that, that we have, you know, that just illustrates this whole thing of like, yeah, this was something that was hard that we went through. It's not necessarily like a, an accomplishment in the way we might normally think of as an accomplishment, but it's something extraordinary nonetheless. Absolutely. 
I've thought about that so many times, like the, the party we can throw, the, the, the events that we can go back to the, the challenging, crazy, stressful event that I can put on again. Um, but more importantly, that, that being able to come back together and, and just being friendlier and, and more, uh, connected with each other again, I think is just, it is something. And in, in essence, I, I, I think there will be a celebration, not just sort of in the traditional sense, but I really do look forward to those conversations of what was it like for you? What did you go through? What were your insights? What did you learn? What did you gain? Um, and I think we're all still sort of processing that until we have this moment of kind of normalcy, if you can call it that, that, that will have again um it's it is weird i as much as i look forward to the the gatherings and the big events i really look forward to those conversations of of reflection and and finding out how people grew through all of this because you, you can't not grow you can't not change it's a, impacted us for what 10 months we're, we're all different <laughs> yeah and counting by the time this airs you know <laughs> have you read that book Man's Search for Meaning? No, um, I have not. It's about, uh, what's the author's name again, Evan? Vic Victor Frankl. That's right. And uh, it's about surviving a Nazi concentration camp and his experiences and everybody and what they went through. And I think in a time like this, I, I think it's, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's good that you guys are looking at it that way. I think sometimes people don't always look at it that way. You know, adversity makes or breaks you right and i think that um the, the most interesting thing to me as i'm learning more about your story is every bit of adversity you had you decided to let it make you and not everybody does that and i think that that's kind of a, a wisdom and an insight that needs to be passed on you know i think i feel like that's that's what people need to hear they need to hear like you know you went through this hard time but what did you what could you make of that? What did that teach you? How have you become better? You know, because a lot of people will use adversity to actually tear themselves down and they'll get themselves into a funk or, you know, uh, uh, depression, you know, this type of thing. Right. And um, I think that sometimes when events happen that are so overwhelming, like this COVID and stuff like that, for a lot of people, they're overwhelming. Um, I'm curious, Karen, what would be your advice? You know, when you've gone through your hardest times, right? And you, you, you felt down and out and you felt like things, things were major adversity, right? What, what pushed you through? What, what, how did you make sense of that so that you could go through the fire and come out the other side? Because you, you continually take steps in a positive direction, but that's not an accident. I think that's a philosophy and a mindset and a decision that you're making internally. I think it's one that I've developed after choosing the alternative. I have been curled in a ball, crying, filled with depression. Um, at the beginning of COVID, I was having multiple panic attacks a week. Um, and re realistically, when I have felt at my worst, I kind of, at one point or another, looked inward and said to myself, well, I have two options. I can choose to remain curled in a ball, letting everything absorb me and, and not being able to face the world. And that is one option. 
or I can make another choice and find step-by-step a way out of this. And I think, you know, at the times where I have been at my, my lowest and where truly I haven't wanted to get out of bed and, and the panic attacks just kind of roll in one after another, like waves hitting a beach. Um, it is a very, very challenging and in some respects, courageous decision to face that, to look at it and to, to start deciding that I don't want to feel that way. And I don't want to give in to the adversity. And the more I've practiced that approach, the more familiar it becomes. So I haven't been in that dark hole ever again. You know, I may feel it approaching and uh, decide to look the other way and say, no, you know, that that doesn't need to be my truth. I I don't need to to be there. I you know I can allow myself those moments for sure. We're all human, my goodness. Um, but it, it's it is it's a conscious decision that I want to be healthy and hopeful and optimistic and bring my best to be able to to be there for for everyone else, I guess, in many respects. Um, but yeah, I don't want to make it sound like I've, I've certainly never, um, been in, been in that place of, of just letting the overwhelming feelings take hold. Cause that, that certainly is a part of my truth and, and my past. Um, I just, that didn't serve me. It, it, it wasn't really helpful, even though it, perhaps helped me learn strength to, to work through it. And, and in many respects, acceptance of, of that part of who I am. Um, but if you were to ask me today and something challenging were to hit, like, yes, I'd probably have a little breakdown and, you know, we'd have a little moment and we'd move on. And then tomorrow I'd say, okay, like, let's, let's figure this out. We can do, we can, we can move forward. We can learn from this. We can continue the process of change that that put us through. Um, and I'm cho- I'm choosing to not sit in a ball in a corner and, and stay there. I'm, I want to get up. Hmm. I mean, that's, I want- thanks a lot for sharing that. I just want to say that because I think there's so many people out there who are experiencing that and you sharing that you have gone through a challenge is, I think it's helpful to people. I think it's, it's important for people to realize that like even the most successful people, even people who are they're kicking ass right now, you know, or whatever, whatever you see doesn't mean that they, they got here to that place with just total ease. Like it didn't all work out. It wasn't all just lovey dovey, like roses, you know, and it was thorns, you know, there was difficult times. And um, I, I just want to say, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, there was a, a moment where I was over with your other half, Marco, I was over at your place and you and Marco, um, I was telling you a bit about what I was struggling with and you guys just, we were having a great conversation, but you guys took a moment and you kind of reframed it and you're like, yeah, but look who you are, look who you've become, look at this, look at that. And, and, and just, you just gave me all this ammunition, you know, to go back out and attack that, you know, from a, from a powerful place. And I think that it's, you know, there's a, there's a philosophy there. There's a mindset. It's like, well, let's not look at how this destroyed us. Let's look at how this built us. Let's look at how it made us better. 
And I think the big thing that I walked away from that conversation among many things was that I'm better, I'm more prepared. So no matter what happened around me, no matter what was going on in the external world, no matter how plans didn't go to plan or whatever, that I was more prepared for the next step. And uh, I, I, I just think it's, it's, it's great that we're given this opportunity to hear a little bit that, you know, that you didn't learn that from just having it all work out smoothly. <laughs> no. and, and I don't think you can. Yeah. Realistically, like if, if you don't recognize those moments of tribulation and have somebody help you put that into perspective, you, you can't recognize, you can't, I wouldn't be able to have this perspective. You know, like it, it took pulling myself off the ground um, to, to understand actually how I want to move forward. And, and, you know, it is this opportunity. It's like, if I could survive that, like, I got this. <laughs> I think that and, we could all, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go please. I, I was going to say, I'm like, I, I, I feel like there's just this thing that's emerging and, and it's like, I think that we could all use a little bit of Karen philosophy <laughs> of I can figure it out. Yeah. Like it's like that happens, you'll figure it out. But what if this? You'll figure it out. Like yeah. if like you can figure it out. You know, like I think that that's just such there's something so simple and so powerful about that that like, you know, it, it's one of those things where I've heard you say this before and I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's good. That's good. But you know, like when you really sink your teeth into what that really means on on a bigger scale, it's you know, like we we've talked about on the show, like you know, you you are more capable than you think you are, and that in many ways, that's kind of what life is all about: is learning continually that you are more than you think you are, and you are more capable than you think. And I feel like that this sort of thing, like I can figure it out is like, it touches upon that, that a beautiful wisdom there that can give us courage, which I think is like sorely needed, you know, like we need, we need courage to live in the world, you know, to live fully in the world and to bring who we are out for the, for everyone to see, like there's tremendous courage that's involved with that. And I think that I figure it out. I can figure it out is like a terrific mantra <laughs> that can, <laughs> for, for people to use to like go and have that courage. Maybe it needs to be my next tattoo <laughs> <laughs> or a book uh, or a book, you know, um, once I make some time in my life or something like that. <laughs> No, but that's, um, oh, sorry, I mean, cut you off. I just have to yeah. say this while we're here. That's such good advice for a kid. You know, you're going through a challenge and tell your kid, you, you can figure this out, you know, because I feel, I feel like that's such an important thing for people to realize is so much of this life, we can feel helpless. And when you're encouraged and inspired to just say, Hey, you can figure this out. Like if you, if you want to, you can figure it out. And I think that's important for people to recognize. Cause I think there's a lot of times where we feel helpless and we feel stuck. And it's like, like, who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to ask? What do you need to do? Like, and if you want to, there is a way. And it's not just when you're going through trouble. It's like, if you have a big goal, like a big dream, you can figure this out. You know, it's just such a good, 
it's like a good cornerstone direction. <laughs> you know, I love this conversation so much because for me, the I can figure it out came came truly from such a pragmatic, logical place, whether it was like a physical environment problem or, um, I don't know, not, not wanting to like hire somebody to do something for me. Cause I just like take this pride in wanting to do it myself. Um, and it, it just is like, yeah, no, I can, I can figure this out. Like I take pride in, in physically figuring something out. And I think you're also helping me realize that I have truly applied that to, life as a concept in, in a philosophical manner and, and even, you know, to my own health and mental health um, in a way that I, I'm not sure that I fully recognized I was doing. I'm glad you're so seeing thank that. you for that. <laughs> I'm glad you're seeing it. I think it's Jim. I think it's Jim Ron. I think it was Jim Ron. I, one of the speakers I listen to all the time and he was saying, uh, or Zig Ziglar, but I'm pretty sure it was Jim. But he was talking about how, like, if you need a philosophy for life, that's one of the most important things you have to have. And I think a lot of people have a philosophy, but they don't realize what their philosophy is, but they have it regardless. They just never, like, articulated it and wrote it down or ever said it out loud. But um, I find it fascinating that we've stumbled across this because it is such a good cornerstone of your philosophy, which it start, it's awesome. It started out as something simple and kind of, direct and pragmatic, but, but it actually became kind of a way, you know, and this is, you know, way of the artist, right? Like this is finding a way and you did you, an artistic creative way. You can figure this out. It's such a great way to do life. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We're just not, we're, we're noticing things. I, I, <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope somebody listening maybe benefits and, and internalizes that idea. Cause yeah, you, you can figure it out. We, we I, have the means. <laughs> I think that, you know, you could, you could take a, take a strip out of, out of your husband's book, you know, like as much as you would probably absolutely hate this, <laughs> you, like I can picture you on stages in front of masses amounts of people and it's just like you got the music it's like the tim robbins like music blaring and people are just like like oh i don't know if i can and then you're just like you can do it and they're like i don't know it's like you can do it you can figure it out you can figure it out you can figure it out <laughs> and, like, and people are just like amped they're just like yes i can i can <laughs> um I appreciate your confidence in me. I think uh, that is, there is a version of me in another universe who will take you up on that idea. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah. And I mean, I don't think it, you know, I think it's fun. It's fun to like j joke about that. And I think everybody who, who takes on a really great philosophy has to be like Tony Robbins. They don't have to be out there saying like, you know, that was his journey and yours is maybe a little bit different. Your approach is maybe different, but um, nonetheless, I, I do think people will benefit because I, as I'm, as I'm in this conversation, I'm benefiting, I'm reminded, you know, there's a certain amount of, and that's, that's where I think faith comes in is that you have to go like, if things go wrong, that doesn't matter. Cause I'll figure it out, you know? And if things go wrong again, I'll figure it out. And something I realized like several years ago was that, you know, there really is nothing to fear because if things go wrong, I'm going to keep redirecting to wherever it is I want to go unless I decide 
to get off that track, right? Like nothing's going to knock me off. So it doesn't really matter how far off track I get by disappointments or failures or things not going to plan. Because like you said early in this conversation, the, like the direction was always the same. Like when I asked you about vision, you're like, no, it was, it was always really the same. It's just that you, you came at it from different ways um, as it evolved. And I feel like that's kind of the I can figure out approach. It's like, well, I was going to do it this way, but that didn't work out. So now I'm doing it this way. And maybe this will work out. And maybe it'll open up an opportunity for another way, which I don't see yet. But at the same point, you're always kind of looking to where you want to go regardless of what happens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. we're supposed to have her talking and we're just like, <laughs> I don't, I don't I'm, have I'm anything like... to add. That's wonderful. <laughs> but it's, I, well, I appreciate the conversation and insights. It's interesting. <laughs> well, let's, let's change tack here quickly. Cause I, I wanted to make sure that we, we covered this. Um, so why don't you tell everybody what an accessibility and universal design specialist does okay. and also why this is what has your attention at this point in your life right now okay this is the conversation i thought we were going to have today <laughs> it all comes around it does. And and ultimately the vein of I can figure it out is kind of what got me here. Isn't it better um, with uh, this context though, now that you're talking about it? Like this context, this conversation before you share this? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try and force it, Brandon. <laughs> um, so accessibility and universal design. Accessibility, uh, it, speaks to the world of, of people with disabilities. So my role and, and what I like to do primarily is um, create environments, uh, events, products, what, whatnot, that, that work for people of all abilities. So if you think, so universal, like, let me, I'll tell you what universal design is. And then I'd love to give you just kind of an example as to kind of how it's differentiated in my mind. Universal design is the concept that an event or product can be created in such a way that it works for all people of all backgrounds, sizes, cultures, abilities, and disabilities. And it's kind of inherently, inherently useful for everyone, as opposed to accessibility, which generally includes accommodation. So to think about that pragmatically, um, if, if a building is accessible, you know, we call ahead, we find out if it's accessible. They're like, yep, we got a ramp. Like, great. You've slapped a ramp on the front of the building. I can get in the door with Marco. Marco being my husband who happens to use a wheelchair. So universal design means that all of us can walk in the entrance together, can enjoy the entire environment together. There doesn't need to be someone shuffling about for us to find a lower seat that works for him, that there isn't this like sense of need of accommodation. It's just kind of inherently there. And for me, and Brandon, you probably don't know this about me. One of my favorite things in the entire world is beautiful functional design. And whereas accessibility is really making something work for somebody that needs a 
an adaption or an accommodation, universal design is, it just is, it just works. It, in, it creates a sense of community. It, it creates this allowance in the space that, that everyone can participate fully and be seen. And um, I think it's really, really poignant right now um, especially given everything going on in the world, we've, we've all been through a lot. And like you mentioned earlier with COVID, there's just the sense of community that is created out of universal design because we can, we can all participate together. You know, we're not segregating people because of their abilities or, or disabilities. And, you know, we understand that when something is kind of designed in such a way that works for everybody, it's also a little bit future proof. So, you know, as we age, as I now walk through a space with a with a baby under one arm and my other hand full of other stuff, you know, I can use my elbows or whatever to open a door. Um, and for me, I think it's just, it's this passion of, it's kind of come from this place of wanting to include everybody. And my other life philosophy is really, you know, people are people, treat people like people. And when we design for all people, then we're inherently, we're seeing each other, we're seeing each other represented and we're engaging with each other and we're learning from each other and having opportunities for authentic connections. Um, and that's, it's kind of my entire life has been a passion towards supporting people with disabilities ultimately. And this way, with this lens, I can actually create spaces and places where everyone is just naturally welcome. And maybe that sounds a little idealistic, but it's it's possible and it can be beautiful <laughs> and functional all at the same time. Because um, especially in the disability world, there's this tendency of things being really medical and that is alienating for people. That is... Uh, psychologically uninclusive. Um, just quickly, like, yeah. can you can you just elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by medical? Okay, so I do have permission to share this story. <laughs> I asked Marco ahead of time. Um, so again, so Marco uses a wheelchair, and early on when we were dating, I found out that he was showering by sitting on the floor of our shower. And I thought there's kind of no dignity in that, um, you know, and it, it and he, I asked him why he's doing that. And he just kept saying, well, shower benches look really medical. They look like something your 85 year old uh, grandfather used after he had a stroke. And that's what, you know, the pharmacy sold him and they're plastic and they just, they kind of scream adapted or I need help or, you know, kind of they have a very negative stigma and he just, he flat out refused to use one of these benches. And I, and that's kind of a, almost in a way where this idea of universal design kind of triggered for me. And I was like, you know what, I'll figure it out. Do you trust me to find you something that will work? And I promise you will look good. And he like, he kind of shrugged it off and he was like, eh, if you can like, <laughs> watch me. Um, and I went and I bought this like beautiful teak wood spa bench that you would find in like an upscale spa or you would find in like someone's like high end bathroom. And I brought it home and that was his Christmas gift that year. And, and 
now if you come over, like we just have this beautiful bench that sits in his shower and nobody really puts two and two together that that's for him, you know, like it's, it, it helps me. It makes it easier to shave my legs. Like just saying, um, but you know, like when his parents are here, they kind of use it and and other people seem to like to use it and it just, it looks beautiful. So it doesn't, it doesn't alienate Marco and doesn't highlight a need that he has, but rather just is almost a, a feature, mm. if that makes sense. And that, I think that, that to me is, is kind of part of the process is like, how can we create worlds where we feel included? We don't feel separated from each other. We don't feel as though our differences are highlighted, but rather integrated. That's great. Just, I mean, just from a shower bench. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I imagine there's probably, you know, a lot of ladies out there who go, hey, that would be much better to shave my legs with this right? nice, beautiful bench in, in, in the shower or whatever. And it's like, I think what's great about this, what you're doing is that it, it, it works for somebody regardless of whatever their situation is. And I'm, I was just thinking as you're talking, I was like, you know, if you had to do like parkour to get into like a place, you know, only the best athletes would be able to get in there. You know what I mean? And it would, it would make the rest of us feel like, man, I'm not capable of doing that. I got to leap across these things. And that's, it's kind of like our, our culture is a little bit like that right now. We're a little bit like, we assume that, that everybody's just in perfect health, perfect condition, you know? Uh, and, and if you're not, then somehow it's like noticeable and it's like, you know, what if you get a back injury? What if you sprain your ankle? What if, what, whatever. And like these type of adaptations to our world, they make it just seamless. So it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, like it's all just flow. It's exactly. And I kind of love that in the sense of, I feel like we're also moving past just let's adapt something. You know, like, oh, we have enough people that utilize a walker coming into this facility. So we need to like adapt this. I like to help communities move towards a place where the building is just, it's so naturally, beautifully, functionally designed that you're not even noticing what the adaptions are. You know, that we, we all can just kind of participate and there are the features that work for all of us. And, you know, whether, whether we have a disability or whether we're a senior or we have an acquired disability or, um, however that works or whether you're just tired that day, (laughs) you know, like, or, or like right now I've got, um, so with pregnancy comes sometimes carpal tunnel syndrome. So I actually have very little feeling in my right hand. And it's this new thing that I'm experiencing and it's going to go away in a few months. Um, But I'm noticing just how challenging that new feature of my body appears to be to me right now. But it's just kind of highlighting these, these moments and these opportunities to how can we improve design? How can we make something better? And, And often it's these questions are approached with challenge. Ah, see, now I know where you're circling back to our previous conversation, Brandon. I see how you set me up. Um, <laughs> I promise you it wasn't intentional. No, of course not. 
um, you know, so, so a lot of people see is like, oh, accessibility is this like big expensive challenge. And that's where I kind of approach it as like, no, like this is just a cool problem to be solved. And all you need is a bit of creativity and insight and community and, and we can come up with a better way and a better way of being together. You know, I'm seeing there's, it's like a kind of quality with how we're addressing these situations, you know, because like in my, in the classes that I teach when I'm working with actors, you know, like one of my mantras to them is embrace everything, deny nothing. And in many ways, what you're, what you're saying to me makes me think it's like, yeah, like there's an attitude of this plastic white and metal bench or whatever that says like, okay, there's a problem. Let's deal with it. As opposed to, hey, there's a problem. Let's embrace it. Let's embrace the problem and come up with something that's, you know, that's beyond just just trying to deal with something, you know, th slapping a Band-Aid on something and being like, there, we did our job. <laughs> yep. You know, like there's there's a different quality entirely in in the attitude with how we how we confront challenges it's like are we are we just dealing with the challenge which sometimes dealing with the challenge means kind of like for some people and in some situations it means actually not even really dealing with it sometimes it's kind of dismissive you know as opposed to fully embracing the challenge does that does that ring anything for you i don't know uh, yeah absolutely um i i take great pleasure in addressing the challenge you know i don't want to just deal with it i don't want to just do the bare minimum and be like see there you go it works no it it should be beautiful and and artistic and thoughtful and mindful and inclusive and, and engaging you know there's these challenges are just such great opportunities for us to do better and to do something more beautiful or more functional or or, or however that looks. And then, and then it creates these opportunities for the changes in thought patterns and for kind of empowering other people. Cause you know, as we, as I've seen in this current role that I have is the more these changes happen, the more it actually inspires other people. And this thought pattern sort of helps to change this, this way of thinking of, you know, we, we can do better than the minimum. We can do better than just putting a bandaid solution how, you know, and it's actually easy to start thinking in a new way and, and embracing these physical challenges, as, as you would say, like with veracity and, and opportunity. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one because it, it does have this, this great sort of thoughtful psychological effect that it creates for people. And uh, perhaps inspire some creativity as well. The thing that I'm kind of seeing is the what you're going for, in my opinion, is like that seamlessness where you don't see the seams. You don't see how everything's stitched together. It's like, um, you know, it, that's what th that's the thing I don't think we always think about when we think about art. Art is seamless when it's done well. You know, it, it takes something medical and it turns it into something that's not only functional, but like enjoyable and natural you know and and like these things all come together and 
you kind of skip the part of like, yeah, this thing's here because someone needs to sit down in the shower. Now it's like, Hey, I'd like to sit down in the shower, you know, Hey, I'd like Sounds to, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Hey, you know, washing your feet while you're standing in the shower, like, especially if you have a tub, right. It's such a pain in the ass. Cause you could slip, you could fall, whatever. Right. I mean, how many times would it be nice to just sit down, wash your feet properly and get back up and then do the rest of your shower. Like if you have that option, but if it's like, a very seamless part of your whole um, bathroom experience as one example of probably an infinite number. <laughs> if you had, if, if you grew up with that, you would wonder why it wasn't in every bathroom. You know what I mean? You would wonder what, well, why, why wouldn't you have that? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't even make sense not to have it. And at the same time, it makes it totally inclusive. And, you know, and, and I think like, I'm thinking about filmmaking, right? Like filmmaking, you don't want people to notice your shots. You know, you don't want them to notice what you're doing. And there's a magic to that because it keeps everything in the flow of, you know, the story you're in. And when I went that term, you said medical, that's like when you see the shot, you know, mm -hmm. in film, that's like when you see it, that you see the seams, you see the thing that was put there. And it's like, um, it could be an eyesore or it could just draw you out of the whole experience that you're in. Right. That's a great analogy. Great analogy. I love that. <laughs> well, what you and don't you know, didn't Karen. know what you might have to say about art, Karen. Because <laughs> <laughs> while you're here talking, I'm just observing you and breaking you down. Okay. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Turns out you're a, you're actually a filmmaker in disguise. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm pretty handy with a, a photography, but maybe <laughs> film film is a, a skill yet to be figured out. Um, <laughs> but they all parallel, like what you do totally. parallels with what I'm doing parallels with Evan's doing. And I think that's the really cool thing about artistry. I think one of the big things that I've, I've really wanted to kind of, I don't know, embark upon with this podcast was just how art is in everything. It's not just like, you don't have to just be an artist. Like you don't have to just paint or make music or something for art to actually matter in your life. And I think like one of the things you're really doing is demonstrating that art comes in many forms and it's, it's a more of a mentality and a philosophy of approach. So that's cool. That, that fascinates me as I have never allowed myself to see myself as an artist. Um, so again, thank you for that. <laughs> I think we have, we often have very limited, you know, we, we kind of have a limited scope of what we think of as being art, but in, in general, I, and I think that I, I said this to you when, you know, we were setting you up to come on the podcast. And I said, if you are passionate about what you do, then there's an opportunity to make it artful. You know, if you've got passion, you can turn what you do into an art, you know, and people might not see it that way or recognize it that way, but it doesn't make it any less true. You know, and, and since you said that to me, I had been reflecting on that. And, you know, the, you're absolutely right. There is an art to it. Um, and I've seen this concept done incredibly poorly and in, in such a way that's created more problems than it's solved. Um, just ser seriously, people trying to do things for the sake of solving a problem and, and, not actually thinking through the process. So there, there is an intellectual component, but absolutely there's, there's an art art to it. And, um, I think 
I hope that it does in many respects combine this love of, you know, beautiful functional design that I have. And then something that you said, Brandon, kind of struck me as well, that if we'd had that shower bench in my home growing up, I would have assumed that everybody had one in their home growing up. And, and in many respects, that's kind of what happened to me. So, you know, my father is this like genius sort of engineer brain. And he's always just coming up with these interesting solutions around the house. And we had, we had this, uh, in my childhood home, we had this large picture window with this big roller blind. And the only way to move it up and down would be to climb on the couch and like awkwardly pull it down. So my dad being the, you know, kind of maker before makers were cool uh, type of person, uh, he, he engineered this little like switch. Um, I think like before I was born. So he created this up and down switch for the roller blind. And I just had it my entire childhood. And to me, that was the most normal thing in the entire universe. Like I remember going as a child to someone else's home and I was like, what do you mean you don't have one of those little little <laughs> switchy things that make it go up and down? It just makes your life so much easier. Like yeah. isn't not actually realizing that what he had done was uh, thinking outside of the box and kind of out of the ordinary. And like, I just, I remember that so vividly of like, oh, shouldn't, shouldn't we all just have one of these little switchy boxes? <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I, I, and we should. I feel. I feel like now that's what um, many of the tech companies are, are taking on. And yet, you know, my my dad is OG and figured that out before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we want to take? Because uh, you know, I'm usually the one who's keeping an eye on the clock here. And uh, always passed... with the time. Evan. Always, always with the time. I know. No, but let's I know. Let's talk about. Let's talk about beer. Let's yeah. Talk let's about talk about drinks it. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I have nothing to report from because I'm 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 uh, doing a sober January. But uh, Brandon, I know you've got one, and uh, Karen, I know you've got an, a non-alcoholic uh, something going on there. So, yeah, take it away. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just start. Um, this this one, I don't know, Lowenbrow, I think it's called Lowenbrow Original. Um, a premium beer. <laughs> it's a German style beer. I, I honestly don't know. It's just light and it's, it's delicious. Anyway, that's what it is. That's what that's I decided to have today. And it's been uh, going down real quick. So <laughs> that's probably a good sign. Yeah. I've had that one. It's a, it's a good one. I like it. Um, I, I feel very peculiar right now because it is I'm drinking a non-alcoholic beer but uh it's kind of challenging me a little bit because it feels like I'm doing something that I shouldn't um, <laughs> but I've uh I'm really enjoying Red Racer's Street Legal uh it's a pilsner and it does not taste like a non-alcoholic beer it's very very tasty uh you know supporting local and um pretending that I can pretending that I'm drinking Regular beer is, is a good a good place to be. I'm super interested in maybe searching that out and trying it because I remember like back in the day, like in, in acting class and scene study where, you know, you needed props and, you know, it's not an, it's not an, it's frowned upon to drink, <laughs> actually drink alcohol on stage, you know, and it's like for good reason. Um, 
but like yeah, you have I remember a few too ha- many takes and uh... yeah but i mean like <laughs> i remember like having to like buying these non-alcoholic beers from the from the grocery store and just like drinking these oh they were awful like, oh they're so bad they were so terrible oh and so, no, this and they're so gassy too like you try to say your line and you just like you have like this the bubbles were so harsh <laughs> you're just like man i want to burp <laughs> on stage <laughs> no this is good yeah. this is super good it tastes it tastes like a nice pilsner shout out to red racer shout yeah. out to red racer i appreciate the uh i appreciate the beer that i can pretend is beer while i'm pregnant nice <laughs> That sounds like a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> the, the optics of that might be a little bit strange, but yeah. well, that's what we'll quote yeah. you on. So yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, I'm sure you, I was gonna say I'm sure that there are many other pregnant women out there, and you know, mothers past who are just like, no, you do it. How do you feel bad about that for a second? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, it's the psychological flip that I have to get over because like my, I'm tasting beer and I have to remind myself that I'm not like doing something terrible. <laughs> not that I think like one beer would be fine, but still it's just, you know, I want to be safe. But not yeah. to I don't know, take some chances, you know, I yeah. got like one shot to do this right. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, All right, we, Brando, got, we got some questions for you. Yes, okay. indeed. The uh, jumped on it, Evan. Okay, the I'm scary gonna, questions. Scary, scary questions. I'm gonna go first. I decided. <laughs> he has I, declared that he is going I first. Declared. <laughs> All right. Are you ready, Karen? Are you no. Ready for this? All right. Well, we'll just wait. No. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't think I'd do that, did you? I'm just being cheeky. Yeah, I didn't expect you to call me on it. <laughs> All right. What's the most important book you've ever read? The most important book I've ever read? Oh, there's countless. Um, I don't know that I can answer that. That seems to like depend on the month, the <laughs> year. Um, you should have let me prepare for these. <laughs> I like, I really want to just go into the other room and look at, look at my bookcase and make a decision. Well, what comes to mind? What's something that, that landed with you? Um, I don't know why, but a, a book I would certainly recommend is it's a, a novel uh, called The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. And it's uh, a story that features a, a youth um, who has autism and he solves what he believes to be a crime about a dog. <laughs> um, and it's just, it is an exceptionally well-written story that puts you in a very different perspective and, and kind of taking it, it it shifted my way of thinking and sort of understanding how, how mm, perhaps it, it allowed me to take a bit of more of a walk in somebody else's shoes in a, in a very engaging way. Oh, and the Celestine prophecies. That's a life-changing book. 
<laughs> awesome. You're there's my record. Okay. <laughs> like, if you let me keep going, there's going to be 20 more. But um, Celestine Prophecies is a book I, I believe that everyone should read. Nice. I, I like the reaction to like the first the first book because that's happened to a few people who they're just like, I don't know why, but this book. I, I, and there's just something about what comes out afterwards that I, I, I find so delightful. That's um, a good question. Your next question. Oh, oh is this down. on me? I, it's not like you don't yeah, share as well. Oh, no, 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 no. No, this is all about you. We can't oh, okay. do this every single episode yeah. <laughs> with ourselves. All right. Uh, what is a film that has made the greatest impact on you? A film that's made the greatest impact on me. This is this is more challenging to me than a book. Because um, for those who don't know me very well, don't know that I often fall asleep during movies. Uh, not that I'm not engaged. It's just I get really into it and then somehow end up falling asleep. Um, lately, biggest impact. Oh, Oh gosh, what's that movie called? Um, they Live. They Live is a great 80s movie. Um, and I will shout out to my husband for always ensuring that I watch a good 80s movie. Um, <laughs> but it is it is one that has sat with me and the more I think about it, the more insights I get and and uh I highly recommend it it's it's a it's a weird trippy movie but I highly recommend it I'll well, just I'm, leave it there I'm gonna have to check that out because I've never seen it and I've seen a lot of movies yeah <laughs> it, it's it's got it's got one of the most epic fight scenes of all time like to the point when you're like how are they still fighting like it's been like 10 minutes um <laughs> and it's it's hilarious but it's also one of those things that is a perspective changing changing film and i i don't want to describe it for fear of either doing it disjustice or or giving away too much um but it's uh it it is an absolutely perspective changing film cool with a ridiculous fight scene <laughs> <laughs> What's a song or an album that takes you somewhere? A song or an album? Um, I have a deep love of Great Big C. And it so any, any of their songs or albums just kind of take me to the East Coast of Canada and somehow into history and there's a joyfulness and um a lot of heart that i think a lot of albums miss and i i feel like you know in knowing the two of you as well as i do i'm kind of doing myself disjustice by saying that and i, I should be saying like oh pink floyd or you know like the white album <laughs> um, but but in truth like that's that was my gut answer is it's I, I love a good Great Big C album. They're so fun. I just want to go have a kitchen party in like Newfoundland and have a good time. <laughs> That's great. 
there's no judgment here okay good that's, i think that's the beauty of music for me is that like it you don't necessarily have control over what it does to you yeah. it just it just does something to you um your next question we're we're we've now moved past the like media format questions okay um where do you think creativity comes from <laughs> sorry i know that dead air is not I useful feel, for you no, i'm so funny. sorry I, I feel like it's like i maybe like set you up it's like oh okay maybe i'm out of the woods now yeah <laughs> i like, like it's easier oh, for no. me it's just you're getting yeah. deeper in the woods oh good um um where do i think creativity comes from i i think i don't know part of part of me wants to say that it comes from your soul and I don't really know what I mean by that. Because um, I, th I think everybody is inherently cr creative. And I'll, I know personally people in my life who truly believe that they are not creative and they don't have creativity. Um, but I think it's something that you recognize within yourself and perhaps foster. For me, I think creativity just comes from a need to solve Problems. I'm getting kicked. That's that's why I'm looking a little funny. Um, <laughs> um, I think it it's it's kind of like a muscle. It's something that you practice, and perhaps some people come into this world feeling more attached to the concept of creativity than others. But it's it's within all of us, and I think something that we can really foster within each other. So. And I'll stick with my original answer. I, I think it comes from deep within and whether you call that your soul or your spirit or whatnot, it's just, it's in you. <laughs> How do you find inspiration? I think it finds me. I don't really have a better answer for that. I, I, I know... I just get hit with sometimes this idea of I want to create something or play in some sort of medium or solve a problem. I, I don't know how to find, I don't know how to find inspiration perhaps, you know, from others that I admire, but I, I feel like sometimes inspiration just kind of attacks me out of nowhere. Hmm. Usually when I'm looking for it, I can't find it. I start what? overthinking it but you receive it when it happens as best i can yeah i try <laughs> <laughs> nice well, sometimes it goes a little haywire but you know <laughs> well now That's we're right. going really we're going really deep into the woods karen so get ready <laughs> <laughs> all right what is one thing you would tell your childhood self you can figure it out <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, no token, like, you know, I think my younger self is, I, you'll be okay. Um, every moment comes and goes, but really, really, I think you, you can figure it out. It seems like there, it seems like the right answer for this conversation. <laughs> All right. Final question. Okay. 
What would your future self tell you today? I think my future self would tell me something very similar to what I would tell myself of five years ago or so. And something along the lines of, you know, the journey continues and you don't know necessarily where it takes you, but it takes you in, in perfectly the right direction. Um, and to continue to maintain a philosophy, a philosophy of, of optimism and, and looking looking at challenges with, with grace and, uh, the sense of being able to come overcome anything that's put in your path. Cause there's more challenges ahead, but, um, the, the journey continues in the right direction. Beautiful. How well, about you both? Do you get to answer these questions as well? We answered a couple of them, like a few episodes back, I think. I think mm -hmm. Emma asked us those, like, some, she's like, well, what about you guys? And like, she kind of really put us on the spot with it too. <laughs> so we didn't answer all of them, but we answered a couple of them. Um, Does it, yeah. Did anything change for you uh, for that last one, Evan? Anything mm. your future self would uh, might advise today? Um, yeah, actually, because I was, I was really thinking about it and it was like, it, my future self would probably tell me, don't worry so much. It's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. That's a solid piece of advice. I think that we all need because worrying really does nothing. It serves no purpose. It's, it's just like a like... rocking chair. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you something to do, <laughs> but it doesn't but it get doesn't you anywhere. <laughs> but it, it honestly, it's, it, it is one of those things. I get caught in worrying all of the time. And every time I get myself out of that cycle, it's like, well, is that even useful? Like, did you prevent something terrible from happening by worrying? No, you just wasted your time and made yourself stressed out. <laughs> mm. I, mean, I, I remember when I was in my uh, when I went and did like a 10 day Vipassana meditation and, and I remember there was like, I, I don't even remember what day it was that this, this happened, but like, I just had this insight into my patterns of worry where I was just like, well, it was just like, oh, I got all this worry. There's all this worry. I have like all of this pattern of worry in my life. And it's just like, well, obviously you think you're getting something from it. So what are you getting from it? Because otherwise you'd, you, you'd let it go. And it was just like, well, I worry because that's what makes me think will make me safe. Mm -hmm. Right. But then it's, but then like in the moment I realized the insanity of that because it's like, yeah, but the reason why you feel like you're unsafe is because you worry. <laughs> you know, right. It was just like this weird sort of circle. And I was just like, so really it's just doing nothing whatsoever. Cause the thing is like, what's making me feel unsafe is the worry itself. Very yeah. bizarre. And my philosophy would help you out in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I've done it to myself, right? I, I get into these cycles of worrying and I'm like, no, but if I don't worry about this, then nobody else is going to worry about this. And then if I will miss it and I won't think about it and then something terrible is going to happen. So I have to worry about it. Um, or at least that's what goes on in my head sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then I have tried to just tell myself, okay, 
what are your plans? So if you're worrying about this, what, what, what are you, what can you figure out to remediate it? And then you just, I start telling myself all of the things that I am, can empower myself with. And then all of a sudden that little worrying voice just starts going away. And this like uh, self-awareness and, and, and um, I can't think of the right word. This sense of grounding, I guess, is just kind of more what takes over. And, and it's like, again, yeah. The worrying, the worrying is help is not helpful in that moment. But if I focus on, if I'm worrying about something, what can I do to stop worrying about it or make myself feel comfortable? Because you're absolutely right. The worrying is a comfort blanket. It may it weirdly makes you feel safe and stressed out at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. More, more attempts at wisdom from Karen. <laughs> That's, that's what we could like call that's a potential like second name for this podcast attempts at wisdom <laughs> oh that's awesome i like that's another book title right there attempts, attempts at wisdom it's a good comedy if that would be a good sketch you could you could do something really funny with that <laughs> well do we have uh, any final thoughts that anyone would like to share reflecting on this conversation? What's anyone got? Well, I mean, really, like, I like to me, I just like the one it's staring in the face. And for people who've like been listening and if you've listened to to the show all the way to this point, you're like, I know exactly what this one's about. It's about the fact that you can figure it out. You will figure it out. Um, and yeah, so I think that that's just, I'll reiterate, like, you know, it, I was making kind of a joke about, about you being some sort of, you know, big inspirational, you know, speaker on a stage with lights and music and masses of people. But like, I, I really, I mean it in the sense that like, that is, uh, I can figure it out is a sentiment that I think has just like, it's, it's that powerful. Like, I think that it's something that is actually that powerful to, to move us into a place of, of courage and living our lives more, more fully. Like there's, there's real, there's real wisdom and, and power in it. So you can figure it out, man. That's, that's, I don't know what else I could take away more than that from this conversation. I would second that. I mean, obviously you can figure it out and I would just double down on that, Evan. And I would also say, um, you know, maybe take a moment and think about what your philosophy is in life, you know? And I think it's great that Karen came on and she didn't even realize that that was a part of probably a major part of her philosophy. But I, I think that, you know, it's, I think that if you really check in probably deep down, there are, there are things that you, that you that you believe or you think about the world and they can empower you and i think something like this is is a powerful philosophy to approach everything with you, see, you know i'll figure it out when i get to it i'll figure it out it's like acting you know be in the moment when you get to that next moment you'll figure it out you'll be in that moment you know um and i think that mitigates a lot of the worry that we have and a lot of the fear and i would say um 
you know, I'm just thinking, I was thinking about that question um, about what I would tell my self today, my future self would say. And I would say, you know, um, look, look for the things that you want to see in the world and you'll find them, you know, it's like, because when you're looking for that, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll corner them out, you know, and I, I think that um, you'll figure it out is, is kind of cornering that out, you know, it's like, well, what is the answer, you know, it's, you're going to corner that out, whatever you put your attention on, um, because it's so easy to go like, well, what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And um, yeah, so I just say, I just take it even further. It's like, you'll figure it out. But like, bring that even to the next level. Well, how do you see the world? And, and how is that going to be a part of your doing the world? Um, I would like to thank you both. I have a lot of gratitude for this conversation and, and I've gained a lot from just talking all of this through and your, your insightful questions and perspective that, uh, I think it's, I'm, I'm reflecting on and will be reflecting on for quite some time. So thank you both for this beautiful opportunity and in many respects, helping me recognize a, a very deep philosophy for myself that I think I, I brushed off a little bit at times and perhaps did not realize the depth to which I embraced it. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.